This is Church Alive's teaching of the week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Welcome to At The Movies. We are so glad you are here. Today we're going to be looking at some scripture in the book of 1 Samuel today. We're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, and the scripture's going to be on the screen for you. If it's a little too dark to read your Bible, I understand. It's going to be on the screen for you. This is what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. It says this. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? So fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Today I want to talk to you about believing, belonging, and becoming. Believing, belonging, and becoming. So our movie today, as some of you have already guessed, is The Greatest Showman. Now, this movie may be a little unusual for some of you. Um, it's a really good movie, though. Um, and The Greatest Showman tells the story of P.T. Barnum. Now, if that name sounds familiar to some of you, you probably know it from, anybody know? The circus, right? The circus. And I want you to know that my family has been many times, many times to see the Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. And I want to tell you, though, that this movie... This movie is a musical, so get ready today. It's a musical. Now, yeah, now, all my girls, all three of them, love musicals. They have drugged me to, to many theater productions of musicals. We went and seen them, and I've sat through them. They love them. Me, not so much the musical type. But this movie today, I want you to know, actually has great music in it. And today what we're going to do is we're going to follow the story of two people today. P.T. Barnum, and if you haven't guessed already, David. All right? David. So watch this next clip. Dreams are a great thing. But dreaming requires vision. Dreaming requires being able to see something that may not yet be. And I want you to know today that believing is a decision. And believing requires faith today. 
Hebrews 11.6 says this. It says, without faith, somebody say faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe. Somebody say believe. believe. That he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. P.T. Barnum had very humble beginnings, to say the least. But he had a dream. To marry his childhood sweetheart. And he believed that he could give her the world. But how many of you know that sometimes things don't always work out the way we had planned, right? In our scripture today, back in 1 Samuel... God told Samuel to go and anoint the next king. And Samuel was obedient. And Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. And we pick up our story in 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. It says this. When Samuel arrived, he saw Eliab, one of Jesse's sons. And he thought, surely... The Lord's anointed stands before me. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. Aren't you glad today that the Lord doesn't see things the way everybody else sees? He doesn't look at us the way the world sees us. He doesn't see us in all of our faults, in all of our guilt, in all of our junk. He looks at our heart. Verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and he had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Verse 11. So he at, well, verse 10. Jesse then had seven Seven, count them, seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but, set, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Verse 11, so he asked Jesse, so by this time, don't you think Samuel was getting kind of a little fed up? So I think when we read this, we should read it like this. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? I mean, really, is this all you got? Because this is not working. And right here, I think there was a pause. I don't know how much time passed by. It might have been five minutes. It might have been an hour. It may have been half a day. But I want you to look what happened. 
there is still the youngest. Now, when I read this, I read it like this. This is Jesse. He says, um, they're still the youngest. I really didn't want to say anything. Really didn't want to mention him to you, but I do still have one son left. There is the youngest one, but he's out tending sheep. You, you probably don't want to even look at him. He, he's out tending the sheep. He's, he's a shepherd boy. He's out there. But Samuel said, send for him. And now enters David. I want you to know that I find it interesting that David's father, Jesse, had basically forgotten that he had another son, basically. And many Bible scholars, I will tell you, believe that David was a step. That David maybe had a different mother than all the other brothers that you heard about here. And that because of this, and because of the fact that he was the youngest, that he was treated differently than everybody else. And not in a good way. Let's pick up our story in verse 12. So he sent for him and brought him in. And the Lord said to Samuel, rise and anoint him because this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Now, I don't think we should overlook that little part right there. He anointed him in the presence of his brothers because I believe God wanted them to see what he had planned for David. And the Bible says that from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Watch this next clip. When ticket sales are slow, he has the idea to add real-life oddities, real people who were different, who had unique abilities. And wouldn't you know that it was a hit? That people came from all around to see these unique people. And he gave his freaks, as they were called in the movie, finally a place where they felt like they belonged. You know, even though David, in our story, had been anointed king, do you know that he had to go back to tending sheep? Let me tell you that again. Even though David was anointed king, he had to go back to tending sheep. Do you know that sometimes your calling you will find is in conflict with your circumstances. I'm going to let that simmer 
marinate just a little bit. Sometimes our calling will be in conflict with our circumstances. You see, sometimes we may feel like we don't belong where we find ourselves at. But the question is not where do I belong, but it is instead who do I belong to? You see today, we belong to the maker of heaven and of earth. We belong to the one who hung the stars and the moon. We belong to the one the Bible says owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is our father and we belong to him. And because we belong to him, because we are his, the Bible says that we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance. If we move on to our story today, I told you David had to go back to tending the sheep. Go back to being forgotten, maybe, if you will. Tending sheep. While his brothers, if you know the story, they went off to battle with King Saul. And there they were away in battle to fight the Philistines. And we all know the story that there was a giant there named Goliath. Right? And David's father, Jesse, began to get concerned about his other brothers, of course. And he began to think about them. So what he does is Jesse calls David in from the pasture. And he says, David, I need you to go and check on your brothers. I need you to go and take them some food. I need you to go and take them to supply, some supplies. Now, I don't know about you, but me, if I'd have been David, I'd probably said, are you crazy? Do you know who I am? Weren't you here when Samuel came and he anointed me to be king? And you want me to go take supplies? But David, who the Bible says is a man after God's own heart, what he says is he says, yes, sir, I will go. So we pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it says this. It says, early in the morning... David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. He loaded up and he set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Verse 22, David left his things with the keeper of supplies and he ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. How you doing? And David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? But when Eliab, you guys remember him, right, from the story, when Eliab, David's brother, oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger within him. And he asked, why have you come down here? What are you doing here? And with whom did you leave those few little sheep that you tend in the wilderness? 
I know how conceited you are, David, and how wicked your heart is. Not a show of hands. But has anybody got anybody like this in their life? I mean that all they do is speak negativity anytime you're around them. And a lot of times, just like David, it's our family that are some of the worst ones. People that you would think would love and care about you, but yet all they seem to do is speak negativity and speak hurt and speak heartache into your life. That's what happened to David. And he was just looking for a place to belong. But David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine because I, your servant, will go and fight him. Well, I want you to look what happened in verse 33. The king, Saul, responded. He replied, you're not able to go and fight this Philistine because you're only a young man. So not only did David's dad treat him poorly, not only did his brothers talk junk about him, but the very king of Israel, Saul, spoke negativity into David's life. But we know the rest of the story. We know what happened. David kills Goliath and the legend of David begins, right? So let this be maybe a side note here, a lesson. No matter what people speak about you, no matter what the world says about you, it does not matter. It does not matter when they talk about you, when they look down on you, because our God, our maker, invites you in, and he says you belong. And I want you to notice in that clip we watched, the word that stuck out to me was wanted. Wanted. No matter how you think about yourself, I want you to know you are wanted today. You are loved. You are cared about today. You're wanted. And you belong today, all right? But we know after David kills Goliath, David runs into some trouble. Some trouble finds David. Watch this next clip. P.T. Barnum ran into some trouble. You see, P.T. Barnum had built the greatest show, but then he lost it all because in the movie, if you watch the movie, he had mortgaged everything he had, everything he had gained, his home, everything they owned, because he had met a brilliant opera singer from Europe called the Swedish Nightingale. And he brought her to America, and he took everything he had to bring her here, and he eventually became infatuated with this opera singer. And when he finally came to his senses, 
he returns home to find his circus on fire, destroyed. Eventually, his wife leaves him and goes back to her father, just as he had predicted. And Barnum had a decision to make. Will he become what he dreamed, what he believed? Or would he become what his father-in-law said he would be? In our story today, King Saul becomes jealous of David. He becomes jealous of David after David kills Goliath, and he sets out to kill him. Now, I would say that's a problem in my book. I don't know about yours, but it's a problem. But how many of you know that your problems don't overrule what God has destined for you to become? Your problems today cannot overrule what God is destined for you to become in your life. And we should read our story in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. It says, David left Gath and he escaped to a cave of Adullam. So we find David now in a cave. After he has been on top of the mountain and he kills Goliath and everybody's singing his praises, Saul sets out to kill him, chasing him down, and David is hiding in a cave. And I got to looking and I found something I would like to share with you today. I would like to show you, if I could, for just a second. We know the Psalms, right? Many of you have learned Psalms from the time you were little. Some of our favorite scripture is found in the book of Psalms, right? Like, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Like, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall be on my lips. Words like, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. praise. But I want you to know, I found a psalm, Psalm 142. And the title of this psalm is A Mascal of David When He Was in the Cave. So where our story is today, David escaped to the cave. This is the psalm he wrote in the cave. And I want just a side note, FYI. A mascal. Does anybody know what that word means, mascal? Because I was curious. A mascal. What's a mascal? Does it sound like anything you've heard today? Mascal. Mascal. Musical. Mascal. Mascal. Musical. Do you know what mascal is? I thought it fitting today because our movie is a musical. David in the cave was singing this prayer to God, a musical, a musical, if you will. But I want you to look at what he says. Verse one, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out, am I reading this right? I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you, God, who watch over me. 
In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one. There's nobody. I'm all alone. There's nobody at my right hand. Nobody's concerned for me. Not even my family. I have no refuge. Nobody cares for me. I cry to you, Lord, and I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am desperate. I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Did you hear what we just read? David was running, David was hiding, and David was complaining. David was in a prison, and David was pouring out his heart. Do you know, I started thinking about this, do you know that God is the only safe place where I can pour out my complaint? I'm going to say that again. God is the only safe place that you can pour out your complaint. And more than that, if we don't learn how to pour out our complaints in his presence, they're going to spill over somewhere else. What are you talking about, Nolan? Let's go check all your Facebooks. Let's, uh, let's get your phones out and see what you've been texting. What kind of phone calls you've been making? We like to complain everywhere else. But it seems like we have this thing in our mind when we come before God. Better yet, when we come to church. Well, you know how it is. You can be riding in the car, pulling in the driveway, hitting the kids in the back seat like this. Talking about somebody over there. I can't believe she's here today. You see her? Then we walk in the door. Ooh, praise the Lord. How you doing, sister? <sighs> Got it all figured out. The presence of God is not a place to bypass your emotions. The presence of God is a place to process them. Listen, that means the only way, the only way into the presence of God is from where you really are, not from where you wish you were or where you pretend to be. I will say that again because that's pretty good. The only way into the presence of God is from where you really are, not from where you wish you were or pretend you are. Did you know that some of the best expressions of your relationship with God will be born not when you're crowned in victory, but when you're hiding in despair? Those are the times that your relationship with God is strengthened. And sometimes, You've got to get desperate before you can get delivered. Sometimes 
You've got to get desperate before you can get delivered. David found himself in a cave complaining, pouring out his heart to God. I want you to watch this last clip today. P.T. Barnum figured it out. He, he brought on a partner and together they started the, the tent circus. Uh, a circus much like we know today. And he figured out what was really important in his life. And he finally became who he believed he would be. You see, he figured out that the greatest show was not the circus in his life. The greatest show was his family. And at the end, you see him watching his daughters at their ballet recital. I want you to know today that we are all in the process of becoming who God has called us to be. We're all in transit, if you will. And, and I'm not there yet. Um, Pastor Gene is not there yet. Elder Curley is not there yet. Elder Funches is not there yet. We are all becoming who God has called us to be. And in 2 Samuel 2 verse 4, we find that the Bible says, Then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and they anointed David king over all the tribe of Judah. So do you know that some 15 to 20 years had passed from the time Samuel first anointed David to be king until David stepped into his role that God had ordained him, anointed him, promised him to be? 15 to 20 years. So what can we learn from David? We can be becoming and struggling all at the same time. That's good news for somebody today in this room. You can be becoming who God has called you to be and still struggling at the same time. But I want you to know that struggling does not negate the truth that we are still becoming who God has called us to be. Would you stand with me today? In closing, 
John 1.12 says this. It says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of the Most High God. To those who believed, he gives the right to become. The question I have for you today, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming today? God is not done working on you yet. God is not done with you yet. He has plans for you. Would you just bow with me today? If you're here in this room today and you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus, if you've never believed on Him, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. So every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around today, just me and you. If that's you and you say, Nolan, I've never believed, I've never put my trust, my faith in Jesus, I've never given my heart to Him, but you would like to today, would you simply just look at me right now? I'm looking around, and when my eyes meet your eyes, I will know if that's you, would you just look at me right now? Anybody in this house, you need to believe. Thank you, I see that. Thank you, I see that. Anybody else? I see that. Thank you. Today I want to do something. If you look at me, together we're just going to pray something because I want you to know this moment is real today. Would you just say this? And everybody can say this. It's, it's all right. If you're already saved, you already believe, it's okay. Just say this from your heart and mean this. The Bible says if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, believe that He came to this earth, that He bled and died for our sin on the cross, if we believe that and we ask for forgiveness, that He will save us. It's that simple today. So would you pray this prayer with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you looked at me, would you please pray this if you mean it? Dear Jesus, Today I give you my heart. Today I believe. Today I trust in you. Save me. I'm sorry for where I've been, for what I've done. But today I give my heart to you. The Bible says if you did that today, that he saved you. Now that doesn't mean that instantly everything may be different, but it means you are a different person inside now, but you're still in the world. So it's a process of becoming now who God is calling you out to be. Thank you again for listening to Church of Life's teaching of the week. We invite you to join us for the Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. or learn more at churchalive.net.